Welcome to a special edition of the Pylon Podcast. Cantley Elliott, Jay Richardson. Today we have a special guest with us, Doug Kazarian, uh, host of ESPN's The Daily Wager, talking some of these Super Bowl bets. And Doug, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you guys. Obviously, the sport, Super Bowl is such the uh, sports betting uh, pinnacle, if you will. Uh, every year, it's obviously the most heavily bet day. The event, maybe you yeah. can factor in the NCAA tournament, given its course of a full month. But for the most part, Super Bowl sort of is the gold standard for a lot of things. And obviously, sports betting is one of them as well. Good, good. And I, I want to start off by asking you first, and then Jay, I'll let you go out. But um, the spread has opened up at four and a half right now. The Rams are the favorites. Do you think that's fair right now? And do you see a change in before the game? You know, it's, it's always funny to kind of assess these things because each year it's different. This year, obviously, no regular season meeting like last year, Tampa and Kansas City had played in the regular season near the end of the year at the end uh, at the end of the regular season, I should say. Uh, it opened three and a half, got bet to four. I, four felt right, four and a half. I, I can see why the Rams are favored because the Bengals are just sort of, you know, perceived as this team that's like fluky, if you will. I mean, having to come back against the Chiefs, down, <laughs> left for dead, 21-3, and then the end of the first half, yeah. even the end of regulation as well. But you're getting to a point where it might get a little too high because – the Rams sort of tend to play down to opponents. They don't really blow teams out. And mm -hmm. at some point, you're going to have to say to yourself, you know, four and a half, and then it gets higher is too many points. Now, we talk about key numbers all the time in sports betting, right? Three is the most key number there is because it's the most common margin of victory because of the units of scoring, three and seven. So since the extra point was moved back in 2016, I believe, three the games have been decided by exactly three points. 14.3% of the time. Wow. Now the second and wow. third most common margins of victory are seven and 10. So four, because of teams so uh, comfortable going for two is actually not that common of a margin of victory because in the fourth quarter when teams score and it's five, they don't kick the extra point, they go for two and things like that. So four is not really that key of a number. So going from four to four and a half is not that big of a deal. Okay. Jay, what about you? What do wow, you think? I didn't know. Uh, I actually, so first of all, I'm, I'm learning because, okay, I, you know, I, I played in the NFL almost seven seasons and did not know these things. And, uh, and unfortunately for me, I played for the Oakland Raiders where we were losing by a margin of much more than, than, than three or four yeah, yeah. back in the mid 2000s. Uh, but Doug, I, I got to ask you just as you look at this game, as you look at matchups, and I know this is getting more into, uh, analysts and, and and less about the numbers just gut feeling do you feel like Cincinnati legitimately just based off the success and kind of they're on this Cinderella like journey does your gut tell you they have a legitimate chance to win this football game in Mike yeah I mean absolutely I thought they had a legitimate shot going into Kansas City now not when they were down 21-3 but I felt the Chiefs were overrated all this stuff about their defense being this yeah. rejuvenated unit I thought it was just fa facing bad quarterbacks uh, you know, yeah. some of those, you know, like Jordan, you know, they face Jordan Love, not Aaron Rodgers when they beat when they beat Kansas uh, Green Bay. Now, uh, with that being said, I do think the Rams are, quote unquote, the better team because I think it comes down to the trenches. We all saw the Cincinnati Bengals give up nine sacks to the Titans, but it's not just that game. It's over the course of the entire season win rate for the offensive line dead last in the NFL. Now, there's ways to scheme around it. Right. You can chip. You can bring in your tight ends, things like that. But that's got to be an issue when facing a defensive line with Floyd, Von Miller, and Aaron Donald. I mean, it just that is, first and foremost, that's where you start when you handicap this game. 
Now, obviously, Zach Taylor knows this. Zach Taylor knows the Rams. He was the quarterback coach when the Rams went and lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So Zach Taylor's no stranger. Uh, McVay, after the game, said he didn't prepare his team. They kind of prepared it for like a regular season game almost. I think both coaches are going to try to seize the opportunity, the magnitude of a Super Bowl. I do think since he's solid and can win this game, I mean, it's look, if it's the NBA best of seven, I don't think the Bengals ever beat the Chiefs four out of seven, although they beat them both times in the regular season, uh, if you include the regular <laughs> season. I, I, I think we all know, and Jay, you particularly know this, football is going to come down to like four plays, right? It really comes down to four plays. Some of these tips. Every time. You look at the Niners. Niners had that pick at, at the 50-yard line. The guy dropped, right? Mahomes at the end of the first half, that game's over if they score maybe even three points, but seven definitely, and then the regulation. So a couple plays here and there, who knows what happens? But that's the nature of the beast. So for me, for anyone to say, oh, the Rams got this, no problem, I think it's pretty silly. Not that anyone here is saying that, but I think this is – Virtually a coin flip game. I know the four and a half points suggest it's not in the money line. Rams are minus 200. So that would imply a 67% chance of winning. I think that's too high. I think the Bengals have a better chance than that. But um, I'm not ready to jump on them plus four and a half either because I think it's, you know, such a, such a swing, a, a game that can go either way. Agreed. Agreed. And I'm petting my dog here. So I apologize. If I'm leaning down a <laughs> He's no, jumping up and down and stuff. No, you're good. And I wanted to ask you, too, um, so the over-under is at 48 and a half right now. Are you buying that or not? So it opened 50 and got bet okay. down by professional money, sharp money, smart money, whatever you want to call it, to 48 and a half. Now, it is interesting because um, the Super Bowl is the one game, the one event where it's not just professional bettors that dictate the line movement. So during the regular season, if there's a game – where all the sharp money, the respected accounts, you know, because it's all electronic now, the ones they've flagged as respected money, bet on one side, and the public is overwhelmingly on the other side, 90%, let's say, the books will hold firm on the 10% side because they trust over the long haul of the season, the respected money will be right. Now, that's just for like one of, you know, a handful of games on a Sunday or something like that. When you get to the Super Bowl, if you're talking 90% of the handle on one side of the game, that's a lot more money because you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. So you need, so the books will move based on public money for the Super Bowl, but not for a regular season game okay. because they just want to minimize their liability. They don't want to go all in on something when they don't need to because they have the entire year. They don't have to let the Super Bowl dictate their bottom line. This goes back to Mayweather and McGregor when they fought. There was so much money on McGregor. Books eventually moved the money, moved the money line because they didn't want to have it all come down to one punch, if you will. Over the long haul, they're going to win. So going back to the Super Bowl, so I think the public typically bets overs on everything, whether it be prop bets and passing yards, things like that, or will there be overtime? Will there be a defensive touchdown? Will there be a safety? And then will it be over? So I'm curious what's going to happen as we get closer to kickoff and what's going to happen with the number 48 and a half. For me... I'm not running to the window to bet either way. I will say this. First quarter scoring is pretty low. It's the lowest scoring quarter of all four quarters of the Super Bowl the last 20 years. 6.6 yep, yep. is average. Um, you can create a narrative. There's two weeks off. You get a little rust, although not all Super Bowls had two weeks. But just the magnitude of the game. I mean, you can imagine the lights, the, 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 the pregame, just the, the nerves, if you will. Quarterback's sure. probably going to be a little bit more conservative, not going to want to throw a pick on the first play like Tannehill did in the playoff game. <laughs> I, I think I think there's an element of let's ease into this 
so to speak, and not get too crazy. But that's just a narrative. I mean, anything can happen. But I would be reluctant to bet the over just because of first quarter scoring being so low. Jay, what do you think? I would agree. I think, I, I think teams coming into this game, and, you know, I've been on teams that have gone deep in the playoffs, never played a Super Bowl, but it seems like with every, with, with every round you get to, the chess match between the coaches intensifies. And I think coaching is such an underrated part of a football game. You know, uh, it, it's really a matchup of, of yeah. minds and moving pieces around there. And like you said, that first quarter, neither coach wants to reveal too much right away. It's kind of, we're trying to figure out what you're doing. It's like watching a heavyweight boxing match. Those first couple right. rounds, you're feeling out. You're trying to see what you, well, what you're, the other you're guys seeing got. their defensive game plan, right? The offensive. Yes. So, you know, you script plays, don't get me wrong, but you're seeing their defensive game plan and then you can make adjustments off of that. I would imagine. Exactly. I, I had a question for you. This is a little bit, uh, backtracking way back, not that far, uh, in honor of Tom Brady retiring, I wanted to revisit that, uh, Atlanta Super Bowl that he won against Matt Ryan. And just from a betting standpoint, to have the odds so overwhelming one way and, and then at halftime, it looked like the game's over and then you get that dramatic comeback. We all remember that Super Bowl. What did that do to the sports betting world that night? Well, it was crazy because as you guys know, there's in-game wagering. So yes, middle of the second quarter during a timeout, you can bet on the Super Bowl. So uh, you see these money lines. I don't have my notes in front of me, but you're talking eight to one-ish in terms of a comeback to win the game. Pretty remarkable. Yeah. And that game went to overtime, you might remember. And they scored a touchdown on the opening possession. And they covered the three and a half, four, four and a half, whatever that line was. But not only did the Patriots come back to win the game, they actually covered because of overtime. Remarkable. Um, but you know what? That That is great. Like this, the number of plays that went right, Edelman's catch. Uh, and there were so many, uh, Matt Ryan taking the sack and then yeah. to add a field goal range. There were so many things that had to break so this, the, the combined probability of all those events, the sequence is just remarkable. But yes, the in-game wagering was truly uh, crazy because people still believing in the Patriots could bet at like eight to one or whatever it was that they'd come back. And, you know, everyone, there is some, a, a group of fans out there that's sick of the Patriots. So they were obviously devastated. And those who Ooh, the Falcons plus four or whatever it was certainly thought they had a winner in the bag when they were up 28 to three. So, 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 Kelly, I, I, uh, I was with a group of buddies of mine that night watching the game, and I played against the Patriots and Tom and Bill, and I, <laughs> I just know what they're capable of. And at halftime, I raised my hand at the bar, and I said, how many of you guys want to bet New England comes back and wins uh, by, by at least a score? And they're all like, get the hell out of here. I'm like, come on, I'm taking all betters. And literally all of them bet me. I did well that night. I did, I look did at you, well. yeah, yeah. Look at you sniffing it out. <laughs> It's just, listen, some things I know. I don't bet against Tom and Bill when they're together. No, no, you're a smart man. I mean, we just, uh, we ran something on the show yesterday. Brady covered like a ridiculous amount of, 59.5% of his games over the years. Uh, Never failed to cover four straight games, him and Belichick together. Um, Just remarkable run. Exactly. The best head coach quarterback combo against the spread in NFL history, aside from Montana and Bill Walsh. But when you think about it, the betting market was so much is so much tighter during the Brady and Bell. Like it's harder to beat the number at that rate now than it was back in the day in the 80s and 90s when they didn't have the uh, statistics and the computers that we do now. So it's more impressive in my mind. 
I want to ask you too because I'm interested. Uh, when the Bucks were playing the Rams in the playoffs, I know the Bucks started to make their comeback. It was after halftime, but yep. like, what were some of the things you were seeing during that time when people were like, "Oh, like, are they actually going to do this? Like, what was it like?" So the live line sort of shades the team that's trailing, especially when it's Brady and the Bucks, and they were originally favorites in the game, right? Okay. So if they were three point favorites in the game, and they're down fourteen. The books are going to expect the Bucks to narrow the gap. So the live line was like 10 and a half, 11, instead of being higher at 14 and a half, because they expected the quote unquote better team, the team that was favored prior to the game, to come back. But the money line was off the charts, right? You're talking a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter, things like that. And uh, after Fournette scored on fourth down, I believe it was a pick 'em. So even though the Rams were getting the ball 40 seconds and the Bucks were out of timeouts, I believe or maybe they were out of timeouts after one play. Uh, the, it was a coin flip game. It was, it was pick them after the Akers fumble and then the Fournette touchdown run on fourth down. So it, it is crazy how much it fluctuates. You go from like an 11 point underdog in seven minutes ago or whatever it is to minus 110, you know, to a coin flip outcome based on the money line. Wow. Yeah, so speaking of coin flips, uh, <laughs> the NFL, especially after watching that Bills game, the NFL really has to consider a rule change with the overtime uh, protocols here because I don't know I just feel like both teams need to get a possession I felt I felt awful for the Bills when that coin toss went up and it came down heads and I said oh man you're but, giving Pat Mahomes the ball right and which is bad in theory but look what happened with the Bengals I mean sure. my point is I uh I maybe get off my lawn guy but I have no problem with it I really don't now, if I'm, but I'm also not married to it. If, there, if someone suggests a better format, I'm all ears. But my thing is, is you had four quarters to win. So it's not like you don't have a chance to win. You had four quarters sure. to win. Defense is part of the game. Someone's got to get the ball. You can stop them. You can hold them to a field goal even, even if you give up 50, 60 yards. Um, and even special teams, you, you know, do you think it's that bad? Go onside kick or whatever. Not that the, there's a high rate there. I just feel sure. at some point, it has to come down to, all right, then go for two in regulation. Uh, and then if you don't want it to come down to a coin flip or have your defense play better. I, I, I just, <laughs> again, I'm open to other suggestions. If someone came up with a really good system that I was like, okay, I prefer that. I don't love the college one either, but at some point, and you know this, Jay, like you can't yeah. just play forever. And soccer does as well. Like hockey takes the intermissions, but at some point the body and the, the safety has to come into mind. So you can't just yeah. play forever. Um, but yeah, at some point it's got to come down to like a third down or something, third and five or something like that. You got to get this a, a result. And if you don't like it, play better in the fourth, first four quarters. I completely agree. I don't want, I don't want games to go forever. And I also don't want them to end in a tie. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big, my, my thing would be, Hey, we give both teams a possession. Then you go to sudden death. And I know there's, okay. there's other things that can go into that, but uh what I wanted to ask you, kind of a two-part question. One, have these been, I don't know, maybe some of the best playoff games, like series of playoff games we may have ever seen uh, watching NFL football, uh, especially for betters, had to be some of the most dramatic playoffs that we've had in, in recent NFL memory. And do you think the NFL is going to, is going to, I'm sorry, do you think that the Super Bowl is going to live up to what the playoffs have been and kind of follow that trend? Well, one would hope, right? Because you saw five straight playoff games end in the final play of the game. Walk-off yeah. scores, remarkable. And then you have, again, the, the, the other one, the other one over the last two weekends didn't come down to the final play, but it kind of did, right? 
Mm-hmm. Niners get the ball, minute and a half to go, no timeouts. Here's your chance, Jimmy G. And there was so much of a narrative and suspense given the backstory of the Niners trading for Trey Lance and everything like that. So I, I'm going to call that six and then Jimmy straight G final goes Full on Jimmy G. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. Uh, but what you know, what what options do you have? It it, it was a look. It, it was an incredible run, but I don't think it's fair for us to assume we're going to get another walk-off score, another nail-biter. But I will say we're not getting the blowouts in the Super Bowl like when I was a kid growing up. Even last year, which was so mismatched with the offensive line issues and Mahomes running for his life, he still hit two guys in the face mask with a with a pass around the goal line. And Absolutely. Brady had one of those questionable PIs. The other one was definitely a DPI, in my opinion, but there was another one that was questionable. Um, but even then, like, you still felt the Chiefs were kind of in it. I mean, the only blowout we've seen in recent years was Seahawks-Broncos. I think that was one-sided. But for the most part, in a league of parity and coaches getting pretty conservative, I mean, look at McVay. He has a knack for blowing leads. Did, did it in Week 18 to the Niners, came all the way back. Did it to the Bucks. came back and tied the game. Even last week, they punted and the Niners had a chance. So even if we see a lopsided score through two and a half, three quarters, we might even get a great ending then. So I would say coaches are getting conservative. And I think the league of parity enables these close finishes. Agreed. One more question I had for you was about the quarterbacks. I was looking in Burrow and Matt Stafford are both um, the, for the passing yards. They're both at 275 and a half. Um, which one are you more likely to go over on Stafford or Burrow? It's a good question. We do a segment called Better Bet. What's a better bet? This guy over that guy. I would say Burrow. Uh, if you look at the point spread, the game script suggests that they've got to throw more because they're going to be trailing. Um, I think McVay has shown in these playoffs he's committed to the run. And I don't think he wants Stafford slinging it 35 times a game. But they have the deep threat. And not that the Bengals don't, but I think there's more options for L.A. But I think there's a bigger commitment to the run. I think I would take Burrow. I think I trust him more. Um, I think he's got weapons with Higgins as well as Jamar Chase. Yeah. Remember, he went to Higgins after the interception in overtime to get the first downs. That was the key, two key plays on that drive to set up the game-winning field goal to McPherson. So I would say Burrow. I would say Burrow over, but it's not like I love either one, but probably Burrow. Yeah. Okay. okay. Dude, that's surprising to me just because, uh, you know, Burrow's offensive line, that – that Bengals offensive line, I don't know how much time. I, I've never seen – I know Aaron Donald personally. Never seen the guy more motivated. Yeah. I just – like if there was an over-under on him getting two sacks, I think he's going to get two or more sacks. I just got a, a feeling like the way he's been – he's been a terror, even not getting tons of sacks, just terrorizing guys. I don't I don't know. I don't know if I trust the Bengals O-line. And That's man, the Cooper big question. Cup has been unstoppable. Uh, he's on guard. Um, he's almost a two-to-one favorite to score a touchdown. That's how likely he is to score TD. He's such a high uh, intellectual player, understanding what defenses are giving him, understanding how to manipulate them with his routes, uh, with his alignment. He's going to get into the end zone. It's a matter of time. And then Odell, the you know the the OBJ resurgence, uh, you know, finally finding somewhere. I know Browns fans, we're here in Ohio, (laughs) and I know all of our folks here are like. Kind of salty about his success, <laughs> but it, 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 it bottom line is that the, the dude found a great fit and he's playing well. I don't know. I might have to say Stafford, you know, okay. just he so you think they're going like, to throw that much. You think you think the Rams will throw that much? And remember, pa- defensive Rams, pass interference doesn't count. <laughs> right, it's true. Here's the thing. I watched Sam Hubbard and, and, and I watched some of these defenders for the Bengals do a pretty good job against the run uh, throughout these playoffs. 
you know, played hard. I, I, I look at, you know, Akers was a little bit banged up here and there uh, last couple games. Um, I don't know how sold out they're going to be to the run. They're going to try, but if it gets if it gets stymied early, I just think the the, the narrative they probably want is Matt Stafford goes out and wins a Super Bowl uh, with his right arm and and, and you know his MVP. Wouldn't surprise me. That, you know, yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise you with either guy getting go. three hundred. I, I just think with those receivers, uh, man, I just it, it'd be hard to see him not get get over two seventy five, but. The Super Bowl is a weird game, so you're right. You never know what's going to happen. It's a weird game. It's like not, it's unlike any other game. I would agree with that. Yeah. Last question I'd have for both of you guys too was um, the Super Bowl MVP. I was looking at quarterbacks have won it 31 out of the 55 times they've played, and right now um, Stafford and Burrow are the two favorites. Would you guys pick them? And I know you guys were talking about Cooper Cup, uh, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. Look at all the guys that are in this game. Would you pick a quarterback or somebody else? So I understand the temptation for quarterback. First of all, there's only been one guy on the losing team that's won Super Bowl MVP, and that was Super Bowl V. So let's throw that out. <laughs> it's going to be a guy on the winning that. team. It is tempting to take quarterback. For me, I would not take Joe Burrow because the difference between his price and the money line is just not worth it. I'd rather take Cincy on the money mm -hmm. line. For example, Burrow's plus 220, but the Bengals are plus 170 on the money line. Just take the Bengals. Obviously, if the Bengals win, it's likely because of Burrow and he's going to be MVP, but it's not 100%. I wouldn't want to risk that 50 cent gap. Now, Stafford's plus 120, and the Rams are minus $2 on the money line. So I think that's enough of a swing where it's worth it to me. Now, obviously, there's other guys who can win it on the Rams, and you would think there's more options for LA than there is Cincy, but I couldn't blame anyone for betting on Stafford at plus 120 rather than the minus 200 on the money line. However, I would, I mean, as much as I think Burrow would win if the Bengals win, I just think it's easier to take the plus 170 on the money line, maybe get a better number. Now, if it starts getting to plus 250, plus $3 on Burrow, I don't think it will. But if it gets, then yeah, then I could understand that. But for me, I think Cup at seven to one is tasty. I, I think he's a guy who could have 140 yards, two touchdowns, one of those things. Maybe yeah. Stafford has two picks or something like that to offset two touchdown passes to Cup. But I think Cup is a real threat to win. And I think seven and a half to one or something like that is really enticing. Wow. Good pick. I do not disagree with that at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, it reminds me of one of my former teammates at Ohio State. And I think this was back in, oh, 2008, right around there. His name is Santonio Holmes. And he was Super Bowl MVP against uh, the Arizona, Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. And Big Ben uh, was launching. He made that, that tiptoe grab in the back of the end zone that's all we remember and he won it and I thought to myself well that's rare you see you know a receiver or anybody outside of the QB win it uh and, and I if there was a game for something similar to happen I, I agree with Doug I think I think Cooper Cup could be that guy if if, 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 if it if it happens in a certain way I think that would not surprise me either it's a good bet too yeah, yeah and, and like you said what was it 31 out of 50 something Super Bowls this is not like the MVP of the regular season where quarterback pretty much always wins. You're going to have guys, you're going to have defensive players, Aaron Donald's 25 to one, Von Miller's 41. You can have sort of situations like that. So uh, Von Miller was the last defensive player to win it, by the way. He won it with the Broncos. But I, I would say seven right. to one on cup is interesting. That yeah, is, I was I forgot all about that. I was wondering kind of, and Jay, you probably would know better better than me, but does it really depend on like the position they play on defense? Because I'm wondering, you know, a guy like Jalen Ramsey as opposed to like, you know, Aaron Donald or somebody who's on the line. Is it, is it more likely for guys on the line to win an MVP in the Super Bowl or would it be like guys in the secondary? That's actually a good question. Here's the thing. Uh, 
I'll say that a guy uh, on the line, especially an edge rusher, um, and, and Aaron Donald moves across the line. He can play any position on the line. Uh, has a higher chance because, you know, you could just not target anywhere where Jalen Ramsey is for a whole game, and he might have a great game, but just not make that that game-changing play that people remember him by. Whereas Donald, he could he could wreak some havoc in there, get two, three sacks, maybe get the 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 holy grail trifecta, right? Sack, cause fumble, fumble recovery, maybe even get back into the end zone for a touchdown, like you know, Von Miller in that Super Bowl where he just sat, cause fumble. He was all over uh Cam Newton. If you can get one of those kind of games, it could happen. Uh for a DB to win it, it would have to be, he'd have to just like, you know, multiple <laughs> interceptions, one to the you know, for a touchdown. And that the odds of that just are are not uh, in his favor as the Hunger Games. Well, Larry said, Brown right? back just, in the day for Dallas did it right. They, yeah, uh, you know things like that. And didn't the um when the Patriots upset the Rams in the 2001 season, I believe there was a pick six early. Um, I'm trying to think of that's how the Rams gave up a touchdown early. It was a pick six early. I believe that was a. Uh, a I don't think Brady won uh, MVP that year, the first Super Bowl. Really? Even though he drove the game-winning uh, t- uh, field goal drive at the end of regulation. Yes, he did. Wow. Yeah, That's... it's rare for a DB. You'd have to, like, really have a phenomenal and just have opportunities. Opportunities uh, is what it is, yeah. Yeah. Whereas D linemen, we're always going to have a crack at it because once you the ball create snaps, the opportunities, anything I think. Yeah. can happen. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, those are all the questions I have for you, Mr. Great. Gazarian. Jay, do you have anything else? Yeah, actually, Doug, just in general, man, uh, uh, how do you enjoy being able to contribute at ESPN? You do a fantastic job, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, and I, I I always like to, I, you know, watch ESPN religiously. Even FS1, I just have sports constantly going uh, just to kind of stay in the know of what's happening. Um, do you enjoy that? And, like, do you think you could host one day, uh, you know, a show outside of sports betting? Like what are your what are your things you feel about yourself in this in this in this lane? Because no, there's, there's a lot you can do. Well, thank you. It's been great. Obviously, I, I was right place, right time. Having worked in Las Vegas for seven years prior to ESPN, I went to ESPN in 2012. Did the rotation of Sports Center, Baseball mm-hmm. Tonight, NBA Live. Um, done a bunch of radio as well. So I've been able to hone the craft of hosting through all those shows. And then obviously, when betting, it was just the perfect merge of the two. Um, just having my background of on-air experience, just the reps, you know, the 10,000 hours, that whole adage. And yep. then obviously the betting kind of uh, background I had was really applicable. And it just worked great. And I love having the opportunity to work with a company that has all the bells and whistles and is committed to it. And we're all in, obviously, on this situation. So um, we're expanding. We'll continue to expand, which is wonderful. And uh, I'm really fortunate to be where I am in my career. And who knows what's next, right? As more states expand, we get more utilization. I mean, this is going to be a significant part of how sports fans consume sports. And obviously, we've done some second screen experiences with the mega cast and the bet cast. So there's more options out there in the unlimited space that is the internet. So we're trying to figure out what the appetite is of the consumer. It's obviously an ongoing fluid situation and we're hoping to uh again meet those needs of the sports fan that's awesome man i uh, i look forward to your continued success and watching you um we're, we're happy and grateful that that you took some time out of your day to come join us here on the pylon podcast it's, it's been awesome uh between me and you if you ever need a defensive end to come on there and talk <laughs> some ball with you 
Let Let's me know. do it. All right. All right. I've and Caitlin's one of the best in the business. One of the uh, Caitlin's one of the best young talents uh, up and coming right now. And I, that's, that's why I give him my time whenever he has. I think he is absolutely fantastic. And nobody works harder than that kid right there. Uh, so we're very grateful. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun, guys. Yep. Thank you so much. And one more thing. Can you tell people where they can find you on social media? Yeah, so a pretty simple uh, handle, at Doug ESPN. That's both Twitter and Instagram, twi tweeting out a lot, whether it be during events, live games, Super Bowl being one of them. And then also it just gives us kind of an update on when the show is. The show fluctuates a little bit, but for the most part, we're 6 Eastern on ESPN2, one hour, right up until tip-off or kickoff, depending on the season, and then games get going that night. So it's 3 p.m. out here on the West Coast, set the table for the day. Sometimes we go earlier based on programming and other events like Sunday mornings for football season. But uh, that's basically where you can find me and, you know, updates on uh, the ongoings for the show. Good deal. And Jay, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at jrichardson 99 uh, the same on Instagram, uh, all platforms. Uh, and then here locally in Columbus, Ohio, channel, I'm sorry, channel 6, ABC 6, and Fox 28. I will be your go-to guy for anything Ohio State football, uh, Ohio State sports, or anything you know pro sports related in the greater Ohio area. Come check me out. Good deal. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Pylon Podcast, and we'll see you on the next one.